0: Hello, hola, bonjour, privet, Auguste Yves, welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the Lingua Materna podcast, the show that helps you build a winning mindset for learning languages. I'm your host James Granahan and I'm delighted to have you on board for another episode of the podcast. My guest for today's show is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk. I'm very excited to be able to host Kirsten today as part of a blog tour she's doing to talk about her new Language Habit Toolkit. The Language Habit Toolkit is a new resource Kirsten has created to help you take control of your learning. It helps you set better goals, track your learning, and ultimately create the kind of habits that make language learning an important part of your everyday life. In today's episode, we'll talk about the importance of habits and consistency when learning a language, as well as how you can add extra accountability to your learning routine. So let's get started. So, my guest for today's episode of the podcast is Kirsten Cable from Fluent Language. Hi, Kirsten. How are you?
1: Hey, James. I'm pretty good.
0: Good, good. It's fantastic to finally connect and have a chance to speak with you. And we're here today to talk about lots of different things about language learning, but I think primarily we're going to focus on habits because i know that's something you've been working on quite a lot recently but uh, before we really dive into all that why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself and about fluent language uh, just for for any listeners who may not already be familiar with your work and your website
1: Sure. Oh, well, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on your podcast, first of all. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And if, for any listeners who, who don't know me, I'm sure there's plenty of them. Um, my name is Kirsten. I'm originally from Germany and I moved to the UK about mm, sort of 14, 15 years ago. And um, Five years ago, I set up Fluent Language because I started tutoring German. So I was a Mm -hmm. German tutor uh, and still am, still am an online German tutor. Um, But what I noticed as I started blogging, I started the blog because my husband said to me, well, people are going to find you on the internet and, you know, good websites have a blog on them, so put a blog on there. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I found really quickly is that I love writing about language learning. I love sharing this. So over Mm -hmm. time... Fluent has grown because I started creating online courses. I've got some courses on there. I started writing more books and kind of looking into that area. And just the more I discovered, the more I wanted to share. So Fluent is now a sort of hub, but still with a very strong blog component.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that comes through in terms of the regular content you're, you're constantly putting out both to kind of, Provide tips and advice to learners and also sharing your own experiences. I've found that to be really interesting and, and really inspiring. And one of the things that I know you've talked about recently, as I mentioned at the outset, is uh, this idea of having habits in your learning and, and also goal setting. And, and I'd like to kind of dive into to that topic a little bit and see where it leads us. But first of all, I guess to start Why, in your opinion, is it important to have habits or to to set goals when you're learning a language? Why do we do this rather than just go straight at it and and dig into, you know, working with a book or or practicing or listening or just booking a, a lesson?
1: mm mm-hmm. Well, it all comes down to the fact that self-teaching is so different to learning languages in school. Uh-huh. And that is something that I think I was not so aware of when I first started out, certainly not as my own self-teacher. Um, but then when I also started tutoring and I started coaching others in, in language learning, I realized that the questions that we ask ourselves, the kind of things that come up, you know, the comments I get on the blog, they're not, they're not as a university student's comments they're not how do i do better in this exam they are completely different and all these questions become about organizing ourselves and you know how do we get this done how do we commit to the project of learning a language and how do we how do we almost build this identity for ourselves as like I am this person who's learning a language and this is really who I am and no I'm serious about this and then sometimes it feels as though many language it, it, it can be difficult when the world tells you well you know you already speak English you' you're good as you are what are you what are you doing why are you trying it can be difficult to to bring it back in your mind to why am I doing this um, and so that really was what attracted me to self-teaching I kept, getting students who are these kind of um, like the students I work with, some of them in their sixties, seventies, you know, these are not people who are learning a language in order to grow their career in 20 years. These are people who for whom language learning is about living a richer, more curious life. And that aspect of improving our life through language learning is something that school doesn't take into account. So self learning is essentially different does that make sense
0: absolutely I love what you said about um, you know the motivation behind it often being to live a richer life and and the curiosity element and I think you hit on something really interesting there when you talked about how it's different from maybe school learning and it seems like maybe there's greater freedom so if you want to achieve a goal that's maybe slightly different from passing a, an exam there, there, there's more freedom in self-learning, do you think that's fair?
1: Yes, yes, and I think that freedom is is a blessing because we, we feel like we can do so much, but equally it can be almost um, something, not a curse, but it's something that makes it slightly more difficult at times mm. because what I'm finding is that people run into so many problems trying to set up a routine, and the idea of the habit building is really, the more I looked into it, the more I looked into the idea of making a language habit, the more I realized for myself that the key of building a habit is really that when you have a habit, it's it's something that you do naturally because you just, it's who you are. It's part of who you are, part of your identity. And every Um, kind of experienced polyglot that I speak to, they can tell you, I get up at six in the morning, I do this, I do that. But really what's underneath it is they have long accepted, this is who I am, this is what I do. Um, And I think that is the core of building an excellent language habit, sort of making this a part of your life where you just, you don't really question anymore. You know, you're already the kind of person who learns this. The work I've been doing over the last year, the the um, tools I have built, the kind of you know the, everything I've put together, it's really designed to help people get over the stumbling blocks and get into just building the habit. Building the habit to me, it's not really about are you watching YouTube, are you um, you know doing exchanges, are you using a book or are you using Rosetta Stone? It's not about that. That is all too complex and too bitty really, you just want to get your framework right. So the work I've been doing is trying to give people the framework. Um, and if, if you want, I can kind of go into the stumbling blocks that I've seen a little bit more as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. That, I think that would be really interesting.
1: Mm. So th- there, there are kind of four, four corners of problems that I've really seen, which is number one, is learners are struggling to be organized and productive. There is so much content out there, there is so much material out there for most I mean, I'm learning a minority language, Welsh, and there is still a lot of material out there. So you have to find the time to select and organize, and that can overwhelm people. Um, Number two, people find it hard, or learners can often find it hard to stay motivated. So you might think, well, I can do this tomorrow, really, and there isn't any urgency, and that causes issues for learners. Uh, Number three is the straightforward reality that you juggle so many things. You don't even know where languages fit in and you just lack time. Um, And the problem number four that I've seen is that when learners feel that the progress, and I do this too, when we feel that the progress is so slow that we wonder if it's even worth bothering and we wonder if we're we're ever going to get fluent, if we're ever going to get there, that sort of uh, destination thinking. Um, That is really where people give up And that's where people fail because I think giving up, I've always said, it—is the only failing that you could possibly do,
0: right? You're not going to make a few mistakes,
1: whatever. Yeah. So there is only really one simple way to move forward, in my opinion, and that is to build build a habit, to put everything you have into just, you know, like getting into the rhythm of just doing it and making it your rhythm, not somebody else's.
0: Yeah, I think what you mentioned in the last point is especially dangerous, isn't it? Because naturally, it's difficult often to see the progress from, you know, Monday to Tuesday or Tuesday to Wednesday. The progress kind of is something you see over over a longer period of time rather than on a day-to-day basis. And that can obviously be a little bit demotivating at times, can't it?
1: And it's, yeah, because we we also live in a world where often you, you look for Quick gratification, mm-hmm. even even if you're doing something like Duolingo, the lessons are deliberately very very small because it makes you feel like you've finished something. It makes mm-hmm. you feel like I, I've achieved. I can see my progress. Yeah, and it is it's so frustrating when you can't see your progress.
0: And do you find then, in terms of your your own learning, that for example, having built these these habits and made the language learning part of your life, that then you now worry less about the progress whether it's that practicing regularly maybe you see more progress or maybe it's that because you know that you're going to practice every day and you have these habits you don't worry about it because you know well if i just keep doing this i will see the progress eventually i just have to keep doing it over time
1: i think for me personally it's i i have moments where i wonder if i'm you know, if, if, if what I'm doing is realistic, I have many moments, because I don't put six hours a day into this, uh-huh. um, I have many moments where I think, well, is this ever going to get me anywhere? Uh-huh. Um, but on the whole, what is kind of underneath that, I have a, a very deep-seated knowledge now after, what's seven, eight languages, something like that, that the progress is not as important as the commitment of uh-huh. just, Of just keeping doing this. I often cite my experience with uh, French. Because when I was in school, I started French at age 13. And when I finished school, I sort of had like a C in French. And I was kind of okay. Even though I took French intensive class. I wasn't great at it. But I just committed to it. And then I went to secretary school and I got like French language teachers, like French native teachers. Um, I think that was the first time I had a French teacher with a sense of humour, so that was good as well. Uh, yeah, the ones before then, they were very serious. Um, yeah, absurdist theatre was discussed. Really boring. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, then it felt like an effort. It felt like, like, oh, do I have to, like, okay, right, I'm going to just do more French, I suppose, whatever. And then I came out of that, and I still didn't feel like you know I was after that I was able to speak French I was able to translate really well and you know because it was a business business French course so okay. I was better with my written and written and um, read French but I was, still wasn't really quite you know there was somewhere I could take it further um, and then I moved to England and I had the option of you know taking various degrees I sort of continued my secretary course in a in what's called a top-up degree. So one year and you get a bachelor's, (laughs) um, and your previous work is accredited. And again, it was sort of, I had about five offers for sort of different courses, different variations of English as a foreign language and business English and blah. Um, and only, only one university said, well, maybe we can put you in a French course. And it was very tempting to just drop French and go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm medium good. It's fine. Um, and, and I know my grades would have been better and I know it would have been less work, but I was, I kind of felt like, well, I've come this far. If, if I stop, if I stop, it's gone. Um, but if I continue, maybe I'll get better. And this is, is a theme that, that I have found to be very successful. It's something that has served me very well. It's maybe stubbornness, perhaps persistence. Um, that is a is a great attitude for language learners to have because even now I'm still not fluent in French. Um, but after I finished university, this is over 10 years ago. And what am I doing now? My secondary language I'm studying right now is French again, because yeah. it just feels it's so important to, to keep this up. So I'm never going to get to, unless I move to France and live there for 10 years, my French isn't going to be as good as my English is now. Uh-huh. However, I can do my very best to not let it kind of drop. Um, same with my Spanish. I really want to like revive my Spanish. And mm-hmm. it's not quite as glorious as adding new languages and saying, I speak 20 languages, sort of medium good. Um, mm-hmm. It's a different attitude that, that I have underneath there. And I don't know, moral of the story is really, I've, I have found a persistence and this sort of idea underneath of just continue, just continue, just see where it ca- takes you, mm-hmm. that that serves you so much.
0: Absolutely. And I, I think at those higher levels too, there's an additional challenge because the, the progress, I don't want to say it becomes slower, but maybe your perception of it becomes a bit slower because each new word you learn, you're not learning the most common words. So each word you learn adds a very small amount to your fluency. Whereas when you learn the first 500 words, every single word you learn makes such a huge difference. So it can be a lot harder to keep going when you got to that level too, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what I'm finding now with Welch is that I can't really get away anymore with just um, cobbling together the past tense that I've just made up in my head. I, I actually have, to, I actually have to go and look it up, <laughs> you know. So it's uh, it just be, you know like you you start learning different things. You have to learn different things, and um, the volume of what you've learned is is becomes a bit tougher to keep in your head. And I think this is the stage really where you where something like um, if i can mention i guess the the language habit toolkit yeah. has got um has got a very good goal setting in my mind a very good goal setting process underlying okay. it and that goal setting process it's it's how i do it it's how i work as well and you know i made with this product i made what i use all the time and um uh-huh. what it what it gives me is this kind of underlying analysis of which of my four core skills listening reading speaking and writing Am I lagging behind in and where can I focus? So what it gives you is a very structured and simple way of breaking down that kind of where next into actual steps, which I think is really important.
0: I think uh, there was a couple of things that really stood out to me from the Language Habit Toolkit. Um, <laughs> one was the goal setting side that you mentioned, in, particularly, in particular when you talk about like your visions. And I thought this element was... Really powerful because you did a really good job of putting the, the learner in the position. I think to really imagine, you know, vividly what their what their targets are, how they imagine themselves using this language, how they're going to feel uh, when they use it. And I thought that you know was something really powerful because it's something that a lot of us maybe think of, but very fleetingly, or maybe we we write down some notes in in a word document or on a piece of paper. But I thought. The Language Habit Toolkit really brought it all together. And it's nice to to have such specific kind of um, notes, but also have them in the one place. So when you, when you need motivation, you can go back and, and remind yourself uh, mm-hmm. to, of, of why you want to learn the language in the first place.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why it starts with vision goals, right? So in the Quick Start Guide, uh, my step one is always... Build your vision goal um, because because it it serves you so far along the way. It really
0: does. I think it's kind of the the foundation behind the whole thing. The other point that really stood out to me was the fact that you kind of focused on the, these four sections: the writing, reading, speaking, and listening. The four, I guess, different types of skills. And mm-hmm. um, I'm really interested in chatting a little bit about that because I know it's something you've mentioned you know, in, in your blog posts as well um, and finding the, the balance there. So <laughs> yeah. I guess my question is, why is it important to have a, a little bit of all of them? And, you know, when, when you're um, working on your learning, how do you find that balance? Do you focus on, let's say, oh, in, in this language, my listening is weak. I'm going to spend more time on that. Or will you always spend roughly equal time on everything? How do you divide <laughs> that up?
1: I'm I'm laughing because because um, <laughs> it's funny. Core skills is something I have been like, for lack of a better expression, banging on about. <laughs> for uh, when did I write fluency made achievable? That's that's the book that I wrote. It's yeah. all about the core skills. It's just like blah blah core skills. Do it, do it, do it, do it. Um, <laughs> here is an assessment. Here's how to do it. Um, I think that's 2013. That I, you know, so so at, from the start, from the start, I have always talked about these four core skills, um, and they are recognized. You know, they they are absolute the components of language. It's been proven in in research. I mean, yes, you worry about you know grammar and vocab, etc., um, but grammar and vocab they are important, but they are not skills in in isolation so often you, you can really think of like listening reading speaking and writing as your core skills um and all four of those it's it, it's thought i would I, and i agree with that very much those four are what makes up language in use and in communication and they all kind of um you can think of it like a i don't know like like they all sort of cross-pollinate each other, right? If you've got some sort of flower plant bed, um, they all kind of, you know, help each other along and cross-pollinate each other. Any gardener is now just like going, what? But So ignore (laughs) that. The image is what (laughs) matters here. And it's really, so, and what I find is what a lot of learners don't realize, um, self-teachers, and this is really when I started looking at how um, an immigrant, for example, you know, sort of, you know, I need to learn the language. I need to speak this as soon as possible. Um, how, say, an immigrant or expat learns as opposed to how a self-teacher often learns. And when you're a self-teacher, kind of like, like many of our your listeners and our listeners are sort of people who are really doing this for the love and for the reward and for living a richer life.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, those are the people who often have a silent, a long, silent period. You're taking it all in and you're finding it very difficult to produce language. And you run into issues of overthinking. You run into issues of perceiving all this risk with it. Um, so if if those people feel productive and, and don't question the fact that all they're doing is listening and reading and taking in a lot of language, then they might have a very... T- Un- uncomfortable sort of awakening moment if they try to speak and they feel like I've been learning forever and now I can't put a sentence together. And it's because those skills haven't been trained kind of to a roughly equal level. Um, at the same time, like what what often happens to immigrants is that they, they can't read very well or they have terrible spelling, um, but their listening and speaking skills are much higher. But, you might then run into problems, say, trying to get a job because your, your spelling and your writing skill just isn't up to scratch. To really be able to use a language expertly and very well, and in my mind, to produce what is considered fluency, you need all four of those core skills. Now, when I'm studying I do make sure that I cover all of them. I do find ways to to fit something in of each skill. It doesn't have to be a lot. It's really just a, a, you know, like a basic sort of thing. Like my writing practice at the moment is every day I do like a diary entry in Welsh where I just write something about today I went on a podcast with Jace, you know, and that's all I write, but that's written something, um, and I believe that it it keeps my brain in shape, you know, it keeps my brain in shape and producing language. I think writing is, is a particular skill that often suffers, um, in this area, but really you want to be working in all four of them. Um, when I find I have a weakness in one, like, in, I, I think I've been feeling like my, I don't understand as much Welch as I'd like to. So I've been focused. I've said that May is going to be sort of a month where I focus more on listening. Um, so in my, in my goal setting, in the toolkit, um, I put, I put, I set myself more small goals for listening, but I didn't neglect all of the others.
0: Yeah, so it's it's important even if you focus on one more than the other for a specific time when maybe you're trying to work on something you feel is a weakness that you still keep some balance and you don't just completely ignore yeah. the other skills.
1: Yeah, and for perspective, um it's it's probably important to mention that every language test, every standardized language test that you look at, you know, which has been developed in 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 collaboration with language acquisition research, um, they all test on these four skills. From IELTS to good to certificate to the delay in Spanish. They all test you on those four skills because you need all four.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you go to to a country where the language is spoken, if you understand it, everything but you don't speak, you're going to have issues. If you speak well but can't understand, you're going to have issues. Or if you can't read or maybe can't, you know, write at times too. That that's that's necessary as well. So they're they're all important in their own way in different situations, aren't they?
1: Yeah, and altogether. If you if you have one of those weaknesses, what, what's gonna happen as well is, you, like you somehow like you know when you notice that's when you have those horrible you know have you ever had one of those horrible confidence moments where you just feel like I thought I knew everything and now I know nothing.
0: Yes, absolutely. That's,
1: it's usually because you're being suddenly challenged in a skill that you haven't trained.
0: And and it's amazing how. Those situations can happen and they really can affect your confidence. You know, like I, I've been, been learning Russian recently and um, I had a conversation, I want to say maybe a month or two ago, where I spoke for the first time with somebody from a completely different region and I thought, oh, my, my understanding has gotten pretty good. And I spoke to this person, I couldn't understand anything. <laughs> you know, it, it's amazing how just the smallest changes can, can make a big difference. And But it, that said they can teach you a lot about maybe what you need to focus on over the next period of time. You can go back and say, okay, that didn't go well, but at least now I know it didn't go well. And I know I need to spend a little bit more time on that particular skill.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's just, you know, they're just little indicators like, like everything. And I think the habit thinking again, it's, it enables us to think in a, in a growth mindset, not like, not in a, Scarcity way where you're thinking I'm running out of time here, um, but instead to really go, oh, this is where I can improve. It's yeah. very encouraging.
0: Definitely. And uh, just one more thing I-, I wanted to kind of touch on because I think it relates as well to uh, the language habit toolkit was the idea of you know as an independent learner how you can add some more accountability to your learning. And I, I thought that the the language habit toolkit was great for this because you actually have uh something to to track um you know your learning every day and that kind of pushes you to to keep going but i'm i'm just wondering how would you suggest to independent learners out there who struggle to keep going every day uh how how can they add a little bit more accountability to their study when they're Mm -hmm. working alone
1: I think tracking is a really, really effective way of kind of keeping being accountable to yourself. Um, So it's really, you know, some people need more external accountability than others. So it sort of comes in, it it depends on what level of external accountability you desire, right? So if you feel that being accountable, I think at any stage, being accountable to yourself is incredibly important. Um, And like you mentioned, that's why I've got the habit tracker in there. And you know, the whole toolkit started out as the habit tracker um, because I built one for my for myself, or I started looking for one to myself, um, and and from from there on, it just it just grew into this kind of whole system. Um, so the habit tracker is really the heart of this. Um, so I think daily tracking. So you get this idea of building a streak. Um, a lot of people are motivated by that kind of having the idea of doing something every day. Um, and I wanted to make it a qualified streak because a fixed streak because I think you you should get credit if you if you're really busy and you still fit something in and you only do five minutes. Yeah, I think that counts. A lot of people don't count that. Yeah, so you're awesome for doing that. Um, I'm awesome when I do it. That's why I made it this way. <laughs> uh, um then the next level of external accountability can really be for example social media um or to just really share with anybody what you're doing what your plans are um so that you you don't necessarily need a full-on tutor kind of system you don't need a group class um, you don't need to do homework but you I think it's very, beneficial to state somewhere publicly what your plans are so what I encourage people to do is you know write your language goals in the toolkit or wherever uh, take a picture of them put them online Um, if you don't want to do it online there is absolutely no obligation you can just I what I use in for myself is I've written them on a whiteboard so I see them all the time Um, and next step along might be to tell my husband or to tell you know my friend who And then we got mutually hold ourselves accountable, but just by meeting up and asking, how did it go once a month? Um, So coaching, fantastic, fantastic structure, you know, really, really helpful. And finally, if you really feel like you're absolutely, you know, like you basically need a personal trainer in language, um, get yourself a language coach or get yourself a language tutor um, in your language. But don't expect your tutor to do all the work for you. Like, the, uh, one thing that really underlies the toolkit is my experience yeah. as a tutor, seeing too many learners feel that um, they, they can buy a language off me, which just doesn't happen.
0: I think that's an amazing point. There's maybe a perception um, that all too often that learning a language is simply a case of, um, you know, joining a course or joining a class or, or, you know, booking some sessions with a tutor and showing up and voila! 10 weeks later, after attending 10 classes, you're, you're fluent. But it, as you mentioned, you know, it depends really on the person. The, the tutor can help, help you, but it requires, uh, you know, the learner to really to do the work and to, to build these kind of habits in order mm-hmm. to really achieve something, doesn't it?
1: Yes. So that's, that's so true and so well put. And yeah, it's all about taking responsibility for your own learning. I can't teach you, but I can make you learn. Um, And that is, that is exactly what, what the whole toolkit is about.
0: Fantastic. And there was one quote that really stood out to me from the toolkit. I had to have to say at the beginning, and I think it kind of sums up this point um, where you said in self-study, no one hangs around at the front of the class to tell you what to do. And, you know, in that, I think there's a message that, you need to take control and do something. But there's also a message of, of great freedom and opportunity. And I thought that really, really, really summed up uh, language learning as an, as an independent learner and, and um, really highlighted one of the real benefits of, of the toolkit, that it really does allow you to take control of your own learning.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to add to that because that sounds so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Kirsten, for uh, taking the time to speak with me today. I really, really appreciate it. It's, it's amazing to to be here recording a podcast with you because one of the inspirations to me to start my podcast in the first place was listening to uh, yourself and Lindsay on the Creative Language Learning Podcast. So uh, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me.
1: Oh, yay. And, and the Creative Language Learning Podcast, I must say, it, it is coming back. It is coming back. Oh, I've been fantastic. missing it so badly. So Great to I can't. Wait, I'm not going to have as much Lindsay cuz she's going traveling. So I'm going to try and get get a bit of Lindsay in before she before she just sets <laughs> off around the world. <laughs> and then it'll be I don't know, me and maybe I'll have a a range of guest hosts. We'll just see how it goes, but I miss I miss doing the show as well. And podcasting is wonderful and honestly, having podcast listeners, you know who who give mm. you feedback, who are here with you. Um who you, you know, like who really connect with you, I just want to like to anyone listening to this. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys, you know, for listening to Lingua Materna. It's it it means a lot. It's really, it really cool, does. isn't it?
0: It really does, it really does. And I think, you know, the feedback is so important too, like you mentioned. And to anybody out there who's listening, that's you know, that's an invitation. Send us your feedback because it's the the questions and the thoughts you have that really, you know, drive these podcasts forward and, and you know chances are if if you're listening to this podcast and something comes into your mind whether it's a thought or a question or whatever chances are somebody else is share is, is thinking the same thing so let's let's share those ideas and discuss them and uh use them all of us to to continue to improve our our learning and make more progress
1: wise words wise words indeed yeah
0: <laughs> so just uh, before we finish up then Kirsten where can people uh find your work online and find out a little bit more about the language Habit Toolkit.
1: Okay, so my home on the internet is a website called fluentlanguage.co.uk. So bear in mind it's a.co.uk, fluent language all one word.co.uk. Uh, you can find me by googling fluent language Kirsten. It's K-E-R-S-T-I-N. I'm on Twitter as Fluent Language. I'm on Twitter a lot. Uh, too much probably. (laughs) Um, And I host the Creative Language Learning Podcast. So that's kind of really everything. If you like being on Facebook, uh, you can also join my Facebook group, which is called Fluent Language Learners.
0: Fantastic. And obviously, I'll include all of those links in the show notes. So it's nice and easy for people to find everything.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you so, so much for your time today. It's been wonderful speaking to you. Yes, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, James. Cheers, Kirsten. Thanks for listening to the Lingua Materna Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, don't miss out on your chance to win your very own Language Habit Toolkit. Just go to linguamaterna.com forward slash podcast and leave a comment under this episode to enter. You'll also be able to find all of the show notes for today's show there with links to all of the resources that we've mentioned in this episode. Thanks for listening.